Welcome to another edition of Once Upon a Podcast. It's everything you need to know about planning a Disney vacation. From the Disney enthusiasts at Once Upon a Vacation, an authorized Disney vacation planner. So we're going to be talking about all things Disney over the course of Once Upon a Podcast, Disney Cruise Lines, Adventures by Disney, Disney World, Alani, and today, Disneyland. We can help you plan your dream vacation, and we'll do it with concierge-level service. Find us at onceuponavacation.com or on Facebook, facebook.com slash onceuponavacation. Our team is a little bit different today because everybody else is on vacation. Mindy is with her family at Disney World right now. Toby is also on vacation. So you've got me, Pete, and another Once Upon a Vacation agent, Laura Lyman. Hi, Laura. It's your first appearance on the podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Now, Laura kind of acted as my travel agent through the whole process, although I didn't book my trip through her because it was just one day at Disneyland that a few episodes ago, you heard me talk about my first time experience. A little bit of what I perceived as the differences because I got about 20 times under my belt at Disney World. Well, now we're just flipping the script a little bit because it's the exact opposite. Laura is a West Coast girl, born and raised, spent some time in the Midwest, but now is back in the western half of the United States. And if we're right in her wheelhouse, we are talking about Disneyland. Talk about when you started going and some of your memories and and how many times you've gone, Laura. Well, Pete, I've been to Disneyland conservatively over 100 times. Whoa. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm a Disneyland girl. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been going since I was about five years old and, um, my family went about twice a year when I was younger. Um, as an adult, I've brought my daughter there. We've been annual pass holders and, uh, I've taken her. She's now six. She's gone about 40, uh, or spent about 40 days in the park, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, so we know Disneyland pretty well, and we love it there, and I'd love to sh- share some information about it. Wow, maybe we shouldn't even be talking to you. We should just get your daughter on the line here. She's had more than 40 <laughs> days there. She could be a pro, too. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest differences, if somebody to ask me to say, well, what's the difference? Go to Disneyland or Disney World. I'm going to tell them there's two major differences, and I, I want you to either counter these or agree, or, you know, we're not going to be argumentative about it, but I'm going to tell you what my perspective is. One, Disneyland is way smaller, and that, and that was the reason for going to Walt Disney World, where Walt bought a bunch of property and was able to spread out. And the other thing is, I think it feels a little bit more like Disney, and maybe because I'm such a, a fan Um, a biography reader of Walt and loving just his life from Marceline, Missouri, all the way through how he grew, knowing that Walt was actually there and designed it, if that is what you're trying to experience, you know, if you just want to go for the rides to ride Space Mountain, then I don't think it matters. But if you really want to feel Disney and bring out the child in you, Disneyland brings out a lot more of that, I think. There's definitely a different feel to Disneyland than there is to Walt Disney World. Um, Disneyland feels more intimate, and that's not just because of the smaller size, but just because of the layout. And um, you definitely feel those touches um, from Walt himself. Um, There's definitely a, uh, a pro and a con for each. Um, but you're going to have a different trip at Disneyland than you are at Walt Disney World because Walt Disney World is more 
all-encompassing. It is a vacation destination in itself, and people spend, you know, two weeks there easily, whereas Disneyland is more of a, uh, a weekender trip for uh, a lot of people, um, or it could even be uh, somewhere people go regularly. They have a lot more annual pass holders, from what I'm told, and that does change the feel of things. Uh, if I were listening to this podcast and was thinking about Disneyland, then I'm going to get in touch with Laura, Laura at onceuponavacation.net. And if my question was, I've never been, I like Disney, what what should I be thinking about? Should I go for a couple of days? Should I make a week out of this? It's my first time. Tell me what you would tell somebody who's interested in going. Well, for me, I go typically and I'll stay five days, but I am a huge Disney enthusiast. I mean, I do not want to miss anything when I'm in the parks. Um, a lot of my clients will go for three to four days. Uh, some will go longer, but three to four days feels like a good, uh, trip. You don't want to go less than three days. You definitely need a day and a half per park, I would say. Um, and, and even then you still feel like maybe you could use a little extra, but I think that a three day trip is the bare minimum. Okay. And with the parks, we're talking about Magic Kingdom, which is what everybody thinks of with with Disneyland, and that's where you're going to find the castle right there in the middle of the park. But there is another park there that, unlike Disney World, you don't have to ride a a monorail or a bus or anything like that to. Is it uh, California Adventure? Is that what's next door? So actually, we don't have Magic Kingdom. We have Disneyland, and we have Disney California Adventure. And Got Disneyland it. is very similar to Magic Kingdom. So there is a there is a um, a comparison to be had there. But the cool thing about it is, if you go to Disneyland, Disney California Adventure is a five minute walk from Disneyland at most. You just walk from one gate to the other, and the same Downtown Disney is right in between the two. So you are uh, fitting a lot more Disney into a smaller, more urban area. And um, there's not a whole lot of room for them to expand either. But as a guest, you come there, and once you're there, uh, it's really easy to get from park to park. Tell me the difference between the parks. And and if you've been to Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World in Florida, um, like Laura said, it's very comparable. That's where you're going to find uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. That's where you're going to find the Sleeping Beauty Castle, and it's where you're going to find the Haunted Mansion. And we're going to get more into the the rides and attractions that exist at both parks so that Disneyland is comparable to the Magic Kingdom. Tell me about Disney's California Adventure. Disney California Adventure is unlike any of the other Disney parks, um, but if we were comparing to Walt Disney World, there is there are some similar rides to Hollywood Studios. Um, Disney California Adventure has, though, uh, something that you can't get in Florida, and that's Cars Land. Uh, yes. Cars Land is definitely a big attraction. Uh, we're talking when you show up at Disney California Adventure, you can go into Radiator Springs, and it feels like you're in the movie. Um, it's definitely a big draw. It is something that is bringing people to California that may have considered uh, going to Florida because, you know, Cars, that's a huge franchise. Yep. And many, many people love it. Um, and the rides there are amazing. 
In fact, uh, one of my favorite rides in Cars Land is Luigi's Flying Tires. And while I know that people love Radiator Springs Racers, which to me is comparable to something like Test Track, I guess. I mean, if you had to make a stretch. Okay. Uh, Luigi's Flying Tires is uh, uh, these huge inflatable tires. You get on them and they're kind of like bumper cars. But it sure is fun because you use your body to control the movement. So um, the rides there are exciting. The theming is thorough and um you know, just as you ex- would expect Disney to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's fantastic there. Top notch the whole way. And that, no matter what you do with Disney, even if you're going to Italy, like Mindy and Brad did, as you've heard on a previous podcast, if it's done by Disney, Disney World, Disneyland, Alani, Disney Cruise Lines, Adventures, International, you're going to have that level of service. And n- nothing has been overlooked. I mean, from cleaning up the trash to the way that you are spoken to, to the just the experience and the story that goes with everything is Disney all the way around. So the, obviously no shortage of that at California Adventure either, especially with Cars Land. Uh, more adventure themed than Disneyland? It definitely is. And I think that Disney California Adventure, it does appeal to older families or families with older children rather, but it also appeals to the younger set because they do have um, a Bugs Land, which has a lot of rides for younger kids. A lot of people counted out mistakenly thinking, oh, it's only about roller coasters or bigger themed rides. Um, but there are there are so many different rides there that I would actually say if somebody only had one day and they um, had been to Disneyland before, but they were passing through and they had seen the magic that is the original Disneyland, why not go to California Adventure? It's, um, it's for the whole family. There's definitely something for every age there, even the littlest ones. Um, Definitely two-year-olds and three-year-olds have things to do there. But the teenagers also like it because there's roller coasters and Mm -hmm. um, Toy Story Midway Mania. And it's just – it's overall a great park. It's kind of like the king of theme parks with all of the Disney magic and touches. I was actually thinking the other day, Pete, that uh, Disneyland Resort in California is – impeccable. You can walk around and everything is just in perfect condition. Mm -hmm. And the cast members do such a good job at keeping it up. But it's unlike any other theme park in the world because you go there and you see all this magic and you can't find flaw. I looked for the flaws because I wanted to, <laughs> I, I wanted to find it, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't even find a, a paint chip on something. They keep it up so well. And um, Disney California Adventure is, uh, I would say, very a very good choice. And they have amazing uh, theater there also. I would say Broadway-quality shows there. Wow. And that, it's amazing. Let's talk about the resorts and the hotels. If you're familiar with Disney World, as many of you are, there's a lot of resorts there where you stay on property. Not having stayed at Disneyland uh, at, a, at a hotel as you were saying, it's in a more urban environment, and they kind of ran out of room to expand. So it's not like there are these huge resorts that are within the Disney property, but there are a lot of hotels right outside the gate. Um, there, there's parking there. But if I'm going to go, how do we package that up? How do we decide where we should stay? And is anybody in a partnership with Disney? Or And I, I know that they've uh, 
they have a good neighbor partnership with some hotels. If you can, briefly describe that to me or, or to somebody who's wanting to go and wondering what they should do. Well, when you're going to Disneyland Resort in California, you're going to want to look at your budget and, and see what's realistic. If you are, you know, if this is your trip and you want to stay on property, there are some amazing hotels there. The Grand Californian Hotel and Resort is it's just beautiful. It's um, arts and crafts. Uh, it's lodgy. It's romantic. And the cool thing about Grand Californian that you can't get at the other hotels is it has a separate entrance. So it has an entrance that gets you right in to Disney California Adventure. That means you can walk through the hotel into the park. And it actually puts you right where, or very nearby, where you get the fast pass for World of Color, the amazing nighttime spectacular. Huh. Uh, so it, that is a definite benefit of staying there. But it is the top tier. And all of the resorts on property at Disneyland Resort are comparable to the deluxe resorts at Walt Disney World. Okay. Um, your next property on or I'm sorry, your next hotel on property would be Disneyland Hotel. And they had a wonderful renovation not too long ago. And it's just a great hotel, uh, very um, modern touches, and everything that you would expect to come from a Disney hotel. Um, and it is closest to downtown Disney. And, you know, you'd walk through downtown Disney, take the monorail if you wanted to, into uh, Disneyland. So that's also a great option. And the third option is Disney's Paradise Pier. And Disney's Paradise Pier didn't start out as a Disney hotel, but they've Disney-fied it. Okay. So you're gonna get you're gonna get those same Disney touches. Um, and it is right across the street from Grand Californian. So you can still, with your room key, take advantage of that. Uh, Grand Californian special entrance as long as you bring that room key with you when you uh, go through the turnstiles. Excellent. Now, uh, up, up, well, and go ahead and, and continue that. Those are the three that are on property. What about other options that I see uh, brand name hotels that are nearby? Is that something that we have to decide what my budget is? Definitely, but a lot of the good neighbor hotels, which are the hotels that Disney has partnered with, are directly across the street from the resort. Some of these might even get you into the resort a little bit sooner than even staying at, say, Paradise Pier. Um, but it um, it really depends on what your budget is, what your um, desires are in a hotel. Because a lot of the hotel properties across the street are more like um, motel-style properties. They're still very nice, and they have to be held up to Disney standards because otherwise... Disney um, clients would not be satisfied. So they still are great options. I've stayed at most of the ones there on Harbor Boulevard. Um, and a lot of the hotels are fantastic. Um, there are Marriott properties across the street. There's a Howard Johnson. There are Best Westerns. These are all big names that everybody knows. And clients that wanted to say use their Marriott points could use them at the Fairfield Inn by Marriott across the street and it's about a seven minute walk to the main gate so that's a very good option for somebody that say has accumulated uh, you know points or whatever but also when we're building a package they can earn points so if we build a Disney package with tickets and everything they can actually earn points on their stay 
um, by adding their uh, rewards points to the reservation after they get to the hotel. That is fantastic information. That's why that's why we want you to, to work with us because there's never an additional fee for what we do for you. But it's the knowledge and the experience to help guide you through that process. Because I'm telling you, if you've been to Disney World a bunch of times and you just want to experience Disney, you need a little help navigating that because it, that way you can maximize your time. So if you're only going to do two, three, four days there, you don't want to have to figure that out or stay in the wrong hotel just because it might be uh, allegedly across the street. You want to know that they're they're a good neighbor. This is Once Upon a Podcast. I'm Pete, and with us today is Laura. She is our Disneyland expert, West Coast girl. Been over a hundred times. You can like us on Facebook, Once Upon a Vacation, or at onceuponavacation.com. Now, I know that you had a lot of questions, and part of your uh, area of expertise has been about guests with disabilities and guest assistance passes. And within the last year, that's changed a little bit. Uh, What are some of the things that that you've learned, whether you're dealing with um, a child who may have a disability going to Disneyland, or if an adult in your party may have uh, some challenges that they're facing, how easy is it to navigate? I have to say this, because I do have a daughter that has special needs, um, I have taken advantage of the new disability access service card, which they affectionately refer to as the DOS card. Um, The process is extremely easy. Now, I've used this um, pass a a few times on a few visits so far, and I've had the same experience uh, each time I've gone. In the beginning, I know that people were a little nervous because they were changing the the system and change always does make people nervous but I have to say that it runs very smoothly and all of my clients who have traveled and used this card have been very very happy with the way that it works in the parks Um, to get the the disability access service card it's really pretty simple you either show up at City Hall on Main Street in Disneyland or you go to the Chamber of Commerce at Disney California Adventure Uh, Those are really easy to find. They're right past the gates. Um, Any cast member could show you where they are, but they're right there. And you just tell the cast member, once you stand in line, the reason that you need the pass. You do not need to bring documentation. You don't need to have a note from your doctor. You just need to be there. And you need to be honest. And we don't want to take advantage of the system because this pass should be reserved for those who really need it. Right. Um, and the person that needs the pass must be photographed, so they must be present. So my daughter, um, she would show up, for example. We would be there together, and uh, she would pose for her pretty picture. They'd find out what our travel dates were. And um, if they were going to be longer than 14 days, because the cast members can give you up to 14 days on your card, um, then you would just come back after those 14 days. They'd scan a little QR code on the back of the pass and they could reissue a new one for the extension. Um, but if you have an annual pass, you can actually get up to 60 days on your card. Oh. So, so that works out really well because if you are somebody that comes back a lot, you don't have to stand in line and be there that extra time. Um, the, the disability access service card is about five inches by seven inches and it does fold in half. Um, it has the picture of the child or the person using it on front and it also specifies a number of guests. 
Now, the limit to the number of guests is typically going to be six people. So if you have six people traveling with you, um, you could go in there, get the card, and no problem. If you have more than six people traveling with you, you say you have seven or eight because grandma and grandpa came, um, that's no problem. But then all of those people present would need to be there, and the cast member could you know, add extra people to the card. Um, the way that it works is you would go to uh, one of four kiosks within Disneyland, um, and I believe that there are a similar number, let me think, four or five at Disney California Adventure. And what you would do is, and they, and they specify, so in Disneyland they have one on Main Street that's kind of by Central Plaza. They have one in front of the Mad Hatter and next to Dumbo at, in Fantasyland. They have one near Haunted Mansion in New Orleans Square. And they have one in Tomorrowland uh, near the Little Green Men's Store, kind of near uh, Star Tours. And in, in California Adventure, uh, they have one on Buena Vista Street near Carthay Circle. And they have one in Cars Land near Radiator Springs Racers. And two in Paradise Pier. One is near the Little Mermaid Ride and the other one's near California Screaming. Okay. And these are typically umbrella little stands. You just walk up with the card. The person who has a disability does not need to be present at this time. You would go up there, find out the wait time for the ride that you wanted to go on. Now, if your wait time is um, short, you may choose to not get that particular ride because why waste your pass when, you know, five minutes in line is not a big deal. Sure. If your wait time is going to be extended, say for Splash Mountain, which is very popular and often has 120-minute wait times, you would have them sign not only the name of the attraction, but the current time, the wait time, and then they'd give you a return time. Now, what I have found is that if the wait time was 120 minutes, they're typically giving you a return time 110 minutes later. Um, you would not be able to get uh, another uh, ride assigned until after you've gone on that ride and had it crossed out. But the cool thing is, during that time that you're waiting, which you can wait anywhere in the park, you could have lunch, you could go to a quiet spot if your child needs to have a sensory break. Um, during that 120 minutes that you're waiting, or 110 minutes, you can be anywhere. You don't have to stand in that crowded line. You don't have to have somebody who has mobility issues or stamina issues standing that whole entire time. Then you would return back and you would basically get right on the ride. There's some times where there might be a little bit of a, a, a wait, maybe 10 minutes, but it's not going to be that two hours. And the sure. other cool thing is you can get a fast pass during that time. So if there are fast passes available, you can still use that in conjunction with this card. And that makes a huge difference to those who do have special needs because uh, what a lot of people don't, understand is there might be a limited time for say a child who has autism to be able to be in the parks and that might be four hours so while somebody else might be able to go an eight and twelve hour day somebody that has special needs might not have that time so being able to use the fast pass in conjunction with the DOS card really does enable them to get in maybe close to the same amount of rides somebody that you know was typically functioning would be able to have 
And that's that's really what that card is meant to do. Since that person doesn't have to be there when you check in, you know, if you know that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is going to be a 90-minute wait, if you were there, and I'm just trying to think if it was um, grandpa who might be in a wheelchair, maybe you've got a, a child who has autism or sensory issues, there's the possibility there. That person doesn't have to be present, as you said, when you present the card to get your return time, right? That's right. They don't have to be present when you get the return so, time. And I'll get back to that. But before I forget, I wanted to mention, if you're somebody and you only have mobility issues, if you are in a wheelchair, most all of the rides at Disneyland are wheelchair accessible. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't get a DOS card if you were in a wheelchair. However, if you were in a wheelchair and had other issues um, that, you know, maybe were neurological issues or other uh disabilities that would require you to not wait out in the line, that's when you would get the DOS card. But uh, most of the rides are wheelchair friendly or they would have a wheelchair separate entrance. For example, Storybook Land, there's a different gate. You just pull your wheelchair there and you'd still wait. Um, it wouldn't be necessarily as long as the regular ride in that particular ride, but there is a, a separate line that are wheelchair accessible. Um, but for everyone else, you do not need to be present for um, getting the return times. However, you would need to be present to ride the ride. Right. So if, if the card has my daughter's picture on it, I can't go on that ride without my daughter. She's like the license holder, you know, and yep. <laughs> you can't but, drive the car without the license. But if your husband what, wanted to go out into the park earlier in the day and you knew from the app and, and looking online – or just from your massive amount of experience, that Splash Mountain or Pirates of the Caribbean is going to be that typical 120-minute wait. If it's in that limited time for your daughter, the two of you could stay back at the hotel if you're by the pool. If you're still getting ready, if he wanted to venture off into the park, he could go ahead and go to that kiosk, get the time assigned, and text you back and say, hey, our time is... 11:45 a.m. and right now it's 10 o'clock in the morning. So then you have your time to to get ready because uh, with the sensory issues like you were talking about, your time in the park is limited. So I, I love the fact that 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 license holder, as you described it, doesn't have to be there for the time assignment. They just have to be there for the ride. Absolutely. And Disney has really listened to the special needs community. And and when they came up with this new card, uh, and that is one of the things that came out of it, that no, they do not have to be present then. And that really does make a huge difference because there are times when, you know, there might be a meltdown. And um, a meltdown is not like a tantrum. It's something that happens organically when, when the children are uh, overstimulated uh, in in most cases. And uh, something like that is happening, you know, two hours from now, that could be over. Hopefully it's over. <laughs> and, then, and, then they, and then be able to go on their ride. Um, and I think that that is invaluable. And I don't know how many times, um, you know, my daughter would ride the same ride over and over and over. And this is typical of children that are on the spectrum. The saving grace to me was I could get the return time and tell her, Yes, we can go on that, but we don't have a time until this particular return time. So let's try to do something else. And that kind of got me to be able to go on some other rides that I wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. well. And you can still dangle that carrot out there. And if if you 
if you have, if there's any, any reason that you've been putting off a Disney vacation because of special needs, whether it be an adult family member or a child, please let us know. We will talk you through this process. You've learned a ton from, from Laura here. And as you heard, she has a, a child right now. She deals with this every time they go to Disneyland. So she's a pro at it. She knows what she's talking about. Over the last uh, 15 years, I worked with a charity and once a year, we would take 20 to 25 children with special needs and their entire families to Disney World. And we dealt with the previous incarnation of the uh, of the guest assistance pass. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've been with groups of 22 kids and even if they were having a great time, one of them was going to have what people perceived as a tantrum. It wasn't. And it was so great to be around other families who understood and not just looked like, oh, can't you control your kid? No, that's not the case at all. Um, so I've got a little bit of experience in this arena, too. We're not just booking Disney travel for you here. We are trying to book an ideal, perfect, hassle-free trip for you. So if you've been putting that off because you've wondered about special needs, ask one of us. And we'll find the answer if we don't know it off the top of our head. But we want to educate you as much as possible, especially in the area of special needs, before you go to Disneyland or to Disney World. Well, I just did want to share, too, that um, out of all of my clients that do travel, that have special needs, um, I've had one that had one rough day, but I... but. Something that we found overwhelmingly to be true is that our children that are on the spectrum are having better days at Disney than they do at home. And I have found that to be true with my daughter, and it makes you want to move into Disneyland. Exactly. Because <laughs> it is amazing, and they really do um, make it such an amazing, memorable family vacation that you might not get at another place that um, didn't cater so much to the special needs community. So I definitely think that Disney is a great vacation for all families, and I'm hoping that nobody is thinking that they can't do it because their challenges are too hard. Um, I definitely would work with anybody that was um, interested, and I get to know each individual client's um, special needs, whether or not they um, are a family that has disabilities or if they don't. Um, so we here at Once Upon a Vacation really get to know your individual family, what you need, what you desire in your vacation, and then we tailor that vacation to make it the best possible. So we consider all the aspects. And I think that's a pretty good service to get without charging a fee. Exactly. And it's not even really work. I mean, it takes up time. But it's one of the best jobs in the world. We are very blessed to be able to do what we do. It is so rewarding. And I've made so many friendships from uh, clients. I mean, I have people on my Facebook that are that are uh, definitely friends now. And um, that's only because I, I started out by planning their vacation. And yeah, friendships grow from that. It's it's like you get to go on their family vacation without going, and you want to check in with them. And you want to follow along on Facebook and you make sure that they're that they're having a good time. All right, we've only got a couple minutes here, so we'll do some rapid fire of attractions that exist: West Coast Disney, East Coast Disney. First, let's talk about Space Mountain. It's at Disneyland and it's at Magic Kingdom in Disney World. I say Disneyland without a doubt is better. Well, I'll have to agree with you on 
that one. Um, Space Mountain is a pretty amazing ride at either, I would say. But, you know, we do uh, we do have the benefit of being the original. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the original and um, it's a two-seater or it's a two-wide to ride Space Mountain at Disneyland. It is a one behind the other when you're at Disney World. So it's a single-seater. Um, and I don't know if it's a for my back, and I didn't think I was old enough to have a bad back, but I got to tell you, this, <laughs> the single rider at Disney World Space Mountain makes my back hurt. The two by two ride at Disneyland was much smoother. I, I, I just well, think I can't it's better. Comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because you're not as old as me? Yeah. Uh huh. I get it. I get it. All right. Pirates of the Caribbean. That exists at Disneyland and at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Uh, comparison, highs or lows of both? What do you think, Laura? I'm going to say Disneyland on that one because Pirates of the Caribbean is a little bit longer and has an, that extra drop. Um, and, you know, there's something romantic about it in there. It's just, you know, you know, a little bit longer, so it might be that ride for a couple that wants a little time in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. It uh, I was surprised when I rode it at Disneyland. I wouldn't say a little bit longer. I thought it was at least twice as long. And you have the additional drop, and I love how it takes you out through the crowd at the end of it. Um, it it's outstanding. I mean, to compare the two, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, that Disneyland is better. Now, the Haunted Mansion exists West Coast and East Coast, so which do you like, or are they on par? I'll say this. Um, I've been in both, and Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World is amazing. And I would say that if the Walt Disney World changed over and actually had the Nightmare Before Christmas like Disneyland does, that I would maybe prefer Walt Disney World. But Disneyland wins again in that category, Pete, because... I don't know if you've been there during the holidays, but holiday time, we get to see Jack and Sally, and that's a pretty cool thing to see. That I was not aware of, and that's why I was going to say tie for me on that. We hope you've learned a few things, I know I have, uh, about planning your next Disney vacation, specifically this week to Disneyland in Anaheim, California. We would love to know how we can help you. So whether it's Disneyland, Disney World, Adventures by Disney, Alani, or Disney Cruise Lines, we will help turn your Disney dreaming into a Disney reality. There's never a fee for what we do, and if you want to find out more about guests with uh, special needs, you can contact Laura. Laura at onceuponavacation.net. You can always send us a message on Facebook or find us at onceuponavacation.com. We'll talk to you again next week.